right, everyone. Good evening. Welcome. What did I just do with my paper? That's good. Oh, here we are. Again, thank you for coming. Tonight's class was dedicated, sponsored by Terry Levin. And this is in honor of her grandfather's yard site. Aaron ben Michoel, Olava Shalom, whose yard site is going to be this Shabbos on the 19th of Cheshvan. May his neshama have a greatest, greatest aliyah to the greatest of heights. And me, may he channel down many, many, many blessings to you, Terry, for all that you need and all that you want. And all those blessings should materialize in a very, very, very special and quick and immediate manner. Much, much bracha and much, much mazel and much, much hatzlacha in all of your ways and all that you need and all that you want. Thank you. The CD this week was dedicated by our dear friend Reb Shloyma Goldner. And this is in honor of his Rebbe's yard site. The great Rabbi Dovbe Rivkin, who was the Rosh Hashiva of Torah Vedas, a great scholar, a huge scholar, a huge Talmud Chacham, and a great, great Chassid. His name is Ramoisha Doiv Ber, Ben Arav Ben Sion, Olav Shalom. May his neshama have a very, very great aliyah to the greatest of heights. His yard site is going to be this Friday on the 18th of Cheshvan. May his neshama be elevated to the greatest of heights and channel lots of brachas to Europe Shloyma for all that you need and you're always thinking about him and uh, special bond between a student and a teacher. So may, may those blessings bring you only, only bracha mazel and only good things beyond your imagination. Um, thank you very much. Okay. This week we're learning Parshas Vayera. Very special Parsha, Parshas Vayera. And the opening of the Parsha is in the last week's Torah portion, we learned in the end of the Torah portion, Parshas Lechlecha, that Avram Avinu had his circumcision. He had his bris milah. And um, the Parsha opens up that God comes to visit Avram. Vayera Elav Hashem, that Hashem comes to visit Avram by Lone Mamre. And Avram was in the plains of Mamre, because this is like in the area of Hebron, that's where this happened. And Pesach It was very, very hot. And Avram Avinu was sitting at the entrance of the tent. Rashi says, and then, and then the Torah goes on to describe how Avram received two visitors, which as we know were really angels that presented themselves or masqueraded like people. And they come and one of them, and they, they he, he, he he runs after them and he does the spectacular hospitality for them, feeds them, and then one of them goes and blesses Sarah that she's going to have a child, even though she's already 90 years old. And then later the other two continue on to, this, to the land of Sodom to wreak havoc on Sodom and so on and so forth. That's the story. There isn't much... Here it says God comes to Avram, Hashem appears to Avram, it doesn't say for what purpose. 
there is no conversation. Hashem doesn't say anything to Avram. All it says is that Hashem came to Avram. And there's no further continuation. So Rashi, right at the beginning of the parsha, says that when Hashem came to Avram was Lavaker Esachole. That Hashem came to heal, to come visit the sick. We know there is a mitzvah of Bikur Cholim, one of the really big, big mitzvahs. And that is to go visit people that are ill. And uh, in this case, Avram was after his circumcision, and therefore he was ill. And being that Hashem does all the mitzvahs that He commands us to do, Hashem Himself does all the mitzvahs, as sages learn out from the Pasuk, Magid Devar of the Yaakov, that Hashem relates His words to Yaakov. So from here the sages derive that Hashem Himself does all the commandments. So Hashem too heals the sick. Actually, the place from where we learn out the mitzvah of healing the sick is from this, from, from God doing the mitzvah. Because we're supposed to imitate Hashem's ways. Just like Hashem visits the sick, you're also supposed to visit the sick. It's one of the general mitzvahs included in Gemilas Chasadim. Gemilas Chasadim means acts of kindness. Doing kindness with fellow men, fellow people. So we go visit someone who's ill. So Hashem came to visit Avram Avinu. So that's what the, Rashi says, that Hashem came to visit him. One of the sages, say Rashi quotes one of the sages from the Talmud. This is the third day after Avram's circumcision. And we know that it says that at the third day after an operation, one is particularly weakened or affected with the pain of that surgery. Like we find the same thing happened by the later on in, in, in Bereshis, further on, we find the story when Avram went out, when uh, the uh, Shimon and Levi, the two sons of Yaakov, uh, wiped out the entire city of Shechem because of what was done to their sister. So um, they, they waited, they gave the, they told the city everybody should be circumcised, they waited for the third day, and the Pasuk says, when they're in a lot of pain. So we see the third day, um, after one surgery, one can be in a lot of pain, and that's why at that, at that time, Hashem came to visit Avram. And Hashem came to see how he's doing. Nachmanides Ramban says, that God's visit to Avram itself the visit that Hashem came to visit him, that itself brought healing to Avram. Avram was healed with the Mare Shechina. In the words, uh, with the Mare Shechina that Hashem came and to, to visit him, that itself was a healing. Hold on. Um, here we go. I just want to find it in the Ramban. I did not get a chance to see this before. I just saw it being quoted from the Ramban about this idea that this was a healing. Oh, hold on. It's a long Ramban. I didn't expect this. Okay. Just give me a second. Oh. Maybe they intended with this to say that he had, when he had the appearance of the Shekhinah of God, there was a healing to, his, to, the, to the wound of the Mila of the circumcision. 
because so it's fitting to be with the continence of the king is life. So when you behold the continence of the king, and in this case it's not just an ordinary king, we're talking about the king of all kings, God comes to visit him, and that experience gave him life. We also know that when we go visit the sick, there is also some kind of a, a touch of healing every time a person goes to visit an ill person. First of all, the main reason for visiting the sick is that people should pray for him. When you visit them, even though you know someone is ill, you don't really pray for them. But if you go and you see that they're struggling, it's, it's difficult, it's hard, the pain that they're in, and you have compassion, it makes you pray. And prayers help. So therefore, it's one of the, one of the main reasons. So you're at, when you're visiting the sick, you're actually helping out in their healing. And by God's visitation, it had a big impact on Avram Avinu's refuah shalema for him to have a healing. The question we have over here today is as follows. How can it be that Avram Avinu had... Now, the reason why Avram is sick on the simplest level, if we're looking at Avram Avinu as an ordinary human being, a human meaning we know he's a, he's a great man, he's a tzaddik, but yet a normal human being, um, then we understand that, that, okay, when you have a surgery like this, especially when you're 99 years old, and you have such a surgery that that surgery can cause, God forbid, it can cause, it causes an illness, will cause him to be sick. But when one gets a little deeper and appreciates who Avram Avinu is and what his life was all about, it becomes a little questionable. What's the question? The question is, how is it possible that Avram even felt pain in his circumcision? And let alone getting sick. He had pain. But in addition to pain, Rashi says he became ill. And God came to visit the ill. That means he was literally sick. He, 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 he was considered a chole, a sick person. Avram's entire life lived for his relationship with God. He lived to connect to Hashem. The bris milah was probably the second highest point of connection to God that Avram had. We have to admit that the highest point of connection was in the end of this week's Torah portion. When Avram sacrifices his son on the Hara Maria, he reaches the peak of human, of devotion. Like no human being ever reached such a level of sacrifice and commitment to God as one and only child. But second to that, the deepest point of his life was, was his circumcision. Especially when we, we know it was under the 10 tests. Especially when we know that this is one of the mitzvahs. It says that, say, that Avram Avinu knew the entire Torah. Avram studied Torah. And Avram knew all the commandments. And not only did he know all the commandments, he performed all the commandments. That's what it says. Avram Avinu, it said about all of our forefathers, particularly about Avram Avinu. He did all the mitzvahs. But was one mitzvah that he didn't do, and that was the bris milah he didn't do until God commanded him. Even though all the other mitzvahs he did. Now, generally, uh, circumcision we do for a baby eight days old. It would be a shame to wait till 99 years old and live your entire life uncircumcised. So why was Avram left uncircumcised? It's because the mitzvah of bris milah was very, very, very unique. That this mitzvah was the one mitzvah that Avram was able to do because God commanded him. 
All the other commandments, he did them voluntarily, not commanded. And we know when a person does something voluntarily, on the one hand it shows on how committed they are and how deeply um, attached they are, that they want to do the mitzvah. They're not doing it because they have to do it. They, they do it because it's not a burden. They're excited to do it. But on the other hand, we know that a mitzvah that we are commanded has an extra power, has an extra oomph, has an extra energy, not just an extra energy, has, is far superior because the commander itself, because the commandment makes the mitzvah have the power of the commander. And in our case, the power of God. So the mitzvah is so much greater. The reason why Avram Avinu waited not to do a mitzvah, even though he knew this mitzvah, not to do it on his own, because this is a mitzvah that he couldn't do twice. Once it's done, it's done. So therefore, Avram Avinu waited in this commandment to be circumcised till God commanded him, because this made the mitzvah so much greater than all the other mitzvahs that he did. Because it was the only mitzvah in his life of the 613 that we do them because we're commanded. Our, the forefathers before the giving of the Torah were not commanded. So all the mitzvahs they did were voluntary. But there was one mitzvah that the forefathers were able to do in the same manner like we do them, and that is it being commanded by God. And th- that mitzvah, the bris milah, being that it was commanded by God, was infinitely greater than all the other mitzvahs. Because it had the divine power, it was God's commandment that, Hashem, that Avram Avinu did. If that's the case, we can appreciate and understand how precious this mitzvah was. This mitzvah was like unbelievably precious. Imagine if you got the chance to do one mitzvah your whole life. So even a regular Jew, imagine if we weren't given 613 mitzvahs. Imagine if we the Jewish people would come down here and we would live 70, 80, 90, 100 years or 120 and all of our life we would wait for the moment for, that, for the grand rabbi, for the big tzaddik or the kohen gadol or whoever it was in the generation would send us a text. Tomorrow you get to do the mitzvah of your lifetime. Wow, like how excited would it would be because everybody only gets one chance to do one mitzvah. I mean, we would be, even us, that our love to God is not as great. It's great, but not as great. Talk about the man who personified love of Hashem, whose love to God was endless, whose love to God was superseded everything, was his drive and his passion every moment of his life. And now he has the one mitzvah. One mitzvah in his lifetime. How awesomely excited to the point that Avram shouldn't have felt any pain at all. We, would, we should imagine Avram doing the circumcision literally and be painless. And the reason is not because there's no physical ache, but because when a person is excited and so happy about something, and something is so, 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 so meaningful and important, if there is pain while you're doing it, physical pain while you're doing it, it's not really, really that painful. I'll give you an example. Wednesday morning, I know you like this example, okay, get ready. Wednesday morning, you check your lottery ticket, and you happen to be the one who won the 1.6 billion on that thing. And as you're running, 
to, I don't know, you might want to wait a week or so before you're going to pop up out of the, or maybe longer, whenever. But as you're running to, to go claim the ticket, you run and you stub your toe. It hurts. But your reaction will not be hurt. You'll jump up, but the, it won't be in a feeling of pain. It will be a feeling of like explosion of pleasure. Even though your toe hurts. Because the, 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 I'm going to now cash a lottery ticket for $1.6 billion. It's like crazy. The excitement and the passion and the pleasure of what you're doing overwhelms. It's halacha. It's halacha. The halacha is Shabbos. Shabbos is a day of pleasure. Because Shabbos is a day of pleasure, and when we say pleasure, means even physical pleasure. That's why we are Shabbos, we have to give the body a delightful day. So we cook all special dishes, extra kind of pleasure for Shabbos. Yet we know, and, when, and therefore we're forbidden to fast on Shabbos. However, there is an exception. Exception is when someone had a dream that, was, that, they're, that they're, they're very worried about. A person had a worrisome dream. They had like a, a, dream, a dream that they're very uncomfortable with. They saw something that bothers them. So, and we know that a person that can cause a person a lot of anxiety, especially, especially people who pay a lot of attention to dreams. So this can cause them a lot of anxiety. So one of the things people would do if they had a bad dream is the following day, immediately, they would fast. And the fasting was kind of a way of prayer and asking God that to please, if the dream meant anything, let it be considered tshuva, whatever it is, and let it rectify that this negativity that was they saw in the dream should disappear. So what happens if someone had a frightening dream Friday night? And the next morning, they want to fast. Again, it seems like it works primarily if you do it immediately. Problem is it's Shabbos. And Shabbos, you're not allowed to fast. So the halacha is... You should, of course, consult the rabbi. Don't just take my share for it. But you have to consult the rabbi. But the halacha is that you're allowed to fast on the Shabbos. The reason you're allowed to fast on Shabbos is not because we push away the pleasure of Shabbos. It's not because we dismiss the pleasure of Shabbos because, it's because you, really, you really, really, really want to fast. So you want to fast. But you know what? At Shabbos, you can't dismiss the holiness of Shabbos, because you want to fast. The reason why we permit the person to fast is because we say that in the psychological condition that they're in, every bite of food that they're going to take is going to be painful. Because they so don't want to eat, so the food is going to be horrific for them. Quite on the contrary. They are going to experience pleasure in the fasting because they know that this fasting is taking care of something negative that they, they, don't, that they don't want to have. So you see from here, that against the nature of the body, that sometimes a person's state of mind can have impact on their body and change their condition of pain to pleasure or pleasure to pain. Things that are generally supposed to give us pleasure could give us pain if it's psychologically, if we're... For example, God forbid if a Jew would be forced to eat on Yom Kippur, against their will, someone is a non-Jew comes in and forces them to eat on Yom Kippur, they can be eating the most delicious food, that food would not be tasty, it would be painful every bite, because they know, God forbid, they're eating on Yom Kippur. So you see, and the opposite is we're talking about. You can be fasting and be in a state of delight, 
from the fast. Actually, it says that Yom Kippur, we're supposed to be delighted from the fast itself. If we would be spiritually in the right place, then we wouldn't feel any pain fasting Yom Kippur. We would only feel pleasure and delight at it. If that's the case, can you imagine Avram Avinu, who all of his life is waiting for the bad day that he's going to have one mitzvah, one mitzvah, one mitzvah only. And all his life that he can do the mitzvah because God commanded him. And that's the mitzvah of circumcision. And the definition of circumcision is bonding with God in the deepest way possible. Much higher than anything he has ever achieved. So we can imagine that he shouldn't have felt any pain. Let alone getting sick, getting ill. That the bris mila should cause him an illness. Now the answer to this question is, the point of a bris mila, which is not going to answer the full question, it's only going to answer part of the question. And that is that the point of the bris mila is that we're going in, we're becoming connected to God. The bris, the covenant, the the, the circumcision is called a bris. It's a covenant between the person, the Jew, and Hashem. And it's the deepest covenant. But there's an amazing thing. Even though the content of a covenant is a more of a spiritual one, the meaning of a bris milah means that a person is going to live a holy life, a life devoted to the service of God, a life attached to Hashem, that's its deeper meaning. That's how we fulfill the mitzvah of circumcision our entire lifetime. When we remain devoted and dedicated, it's not just a mark on the flesh, but rather it's a mark in one's, in, in one's, in one's being. It's in, in, one's, in one's entire psyche has a deep mark of identification that I am a Jew and I live a higher life and my life is about serving, worshiping my, my, my Creator. That is the the deeper meaning of bris. But yet, the Torah says that the bris should be bibsarchem in your flesh. That means even though the spiritual meaning of bris mila is more of a psychological element, a deep connection to God, a deep spiritual bonding, but still we don't fulfill the mitzvah with the deepest devotion and commitment, we don't fulfill that mitzvah until we have a physical marking on the body that makes that bris. Why? Because the attachment to God is not only our soul. The attachment through the bris milah to Hashem is Hashem is, wants to bond and connect with our physical bodies as well. So the holiness of our attachment to God permeates the body. Because the holiness of, of our attachment to Hashem permeates the body, therefore it has to be on the terms of the body. Had Avram Avinu brought himself to a state of exhilaration and joy and happiness. That if for that period of time, the natural condition, the natural nervous system, we might say nerve endings of his body would have been kind of suspended because they would have been overridden by a powerful excitement and pleasure that's filling his entire being, that's numbing all pain. Quite on the contrary, it's flipping the pain into pleasure. Then the covenant that God is making with Avram Avinu is primarily reaching his soul, it's not reaching his body. What do I mean? It's reaching his body. But it's reaching not the ordinary body, it's reaching a very, very, a, a, a momentarily elevated body that is not acting like a body. 
The whole point of the bris milah is God says, I want to connect to you and I want to connect to you, to your physical, to your lower being, not only to your higher transcendental holy side. I want to be connected to you as a, as a human being and even to your physical body. So that attachment has to involve a body when the body is functioning like a body, not like when the body has become integrated and part of the soul. If the body has become elevated and, and, and entered into the, the consciousness of soul, not the consciousness of body, then the, the connection that God is making with Avram Avinu would not be with his body, would be with his soul, and his body is included in his soul. That's not the purpose. The purpose is the body to be a body, so the body has to be in its natural state. The natural state of a physical body is if you take off a piece of flesh, it hurts. And he's in a lot of pain. And that's the reason why Avram Avinu intentionally did not give in to his natural desire to, ex- to elevate his body into the pleasure. It says that, the Medrash says specifically, that Avram had a lot of pain during the bris milah. But that was part of the mitzvah. See what I'm saying? The, leaving his body to be a body, and in the body, while the body is in its what we might say coarser state, natural state of being physical, in that state, God says, you belong to me. You're connected to me, not only in a transcendental moment, you're connected to me all the time, when you're feeling very physical, when your body is very earthy. So therefore, Avram Avinu could not, even though naturally he should have been in a state of ecstasy and bliss, he was in ecstasy and bliss, but Avram kind of, at that time, Avram Avinu was kind of, in a dual state, from his soul's perspective, as the experience, as he experienced the bris mila in his neshama, in his soul, it was pure bliss and pleasure. But at the same time, he felt physical pain in his body, so that the bris mila can affect and permeate him in the most physical, earthy state of when the body is in its natural state. That's the reason. Why Avram Avinu allowed pain to be the body. But, but here the question is, that's when we're dealing with pain. But when we come to this week's parasha, and we learn the first Rashi, and we find out that not only did Avram Avinu have pain, but he becomes a chole. A chole means he now is considered a sick individual. He has an illness. How can it be that a mitzvah of God and this was the one mitzvah that he had in his life, would result in making Avram Avinu into a chayla, into a sick individual, into an, having an illness. I, I'm not asking on the simple physical level. Okay, you have an injury, you're gonna be, it's going to hurt, it's going to hurt for a few days, and that's a chayla. We're asking, what is a mitzvah in general, what does a mitzvah do? A mitzvah repairs the limbs of the soul. How many mitzvahs do we have? We have 200 and 613 altogether and 248 positive commandments corresponding to the 248 limbs of the body that correspond to the 248 limbs of the soul. Our soul is also made up of 248 spiritual limbs. And we know that each one of those limbs needs some kind of a need a, a tikkun in some way. And the tikkun of the limbs, and a tikkun over here doesn't mean a correction, a fixing, because the soul isn't broken that it needs to be fixed. 
Tikkun over here means more like it needs to be decorated. The, the limbs need ornaments, need to be dressed up. So um, the, the each, every mitzvah develops the neshama, elevates the soul, refines the soul, and, 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 gives, and, and gives, dresses the soul with godly light, if we can say, with godly orna- ornaments. If spiritually a mitzvah is supposed to make you healthier, how can the physical ramifications of that mitzvah take the person and put them physically into bed? That's the question. It seems like it's total antithetical to what the mitzvah is. The mitzvah is supposed to what? Be mashlim, be mesakin, meaning complete and correct the person's limbs. And here the mitzvah is bringing illness. Especially if, if every mitzvah has a certain tikkun, has a certain purification or, 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 or completion that it does to the body, by the mitzvah of milah, by the mitzvah of circumcision, it's more than all other mitzvahs. When Hashem tells Avram Avinu to go have himself circumcised, the Pasuk says, You'll walk before me, and you will be complete. You hear that? Let me repeat that again. Hashem says to Avram Avinu, You will walk before me through this commandment that you will do. You will do the circumcision. You will walk before me and you will become wholesome. You will become complete. Which means that until now, Avram Avinu to some degree was imperfect. And now Hashem says, you will achieve perfection. You will be tamay, you will be complete. And what is the consequence of a mitzvah? Which its whole content of that mitzvah is it makes the person complete. It completes the individual. And what is the consequence of that mitzvah? The person becomes a contacts as a result and as a direct result of the mitzvah, an illness. Something doesn't add up. Correction, completion shouldn't lead to illness. What's illness? Illness is a defect. Whichever way you slice it, whichever way you cut it, illness is a defect. It's a problem. It's a negative. If illness is a negative, how can a mitzvah, which is the ultimate positive, and the mitzvah that's supposed to make you complete with utter perfection, result in a negative result in illness? That's the question. That's a problem. So the explanation to this is, and especially, to add more, when did God come to visit Avram Avinu? When? We said on the third day. Why on the third day? Because that's when the illness intensifies. After three days, Avram was like in a real, really not in good shape. So God came to visit him, Dafka, at the moment of the extreme weakness. So the intensification of the illness. Now, now, now listen to this. We know that in, in, in holiness, or in general, the rule is that after three times, something is achieved three times, it's considered a chazaka. Chazaka means it's considered steadfast. Everything that's repeated three times gets a certain strengthening. It's now really strong. If Avram Avinu is circumcised for three days, what does that mean? That his mitzvah of being circumcised has reached, has finally gotten a permanence inside of him. He's now three days circumcised. 
That means that we're dealing with that the mitzvah is now in its most, in its firmest state. The first day, it's beginning to have an impact on him. The second day, it's having a bigger impact on him. On the third day, it's having super impact and it can't get stronger. That's the thing. Once it's three days, it reached its strongest point and so it will stay. That's the idea of three. So how can it be the dafka on the third day of his bris milah? When he experienced intensification and strengthening and permanence of the bris milah, which the bris milah means what? Completion and perfection. And now, what, how does that result in, in Avram Avinu is that he's ill. So that's, that's a problem. And the answer to that is awesome. There is a pasuk in Shira Shirim that says as follows. Samchuni ba'ashishus. Samchuni Knesset Yisrael, the Jewish people. The Jewish people, Shira Shirim is, uses an analogy of God and the Jewish people like a, like a, uh, a bride and a groom. And it's a love song. It's deep love and romance. And Knesset Yisrael, the Jewish people, the bride, cries out to her groom. And, and, and she says, Samchuni ba'ashishus. Surround me with ashishus. Ashishus is a type of, it's called the raisin cakes. Ripiduni, no, Samchuni means support me. Ba'ashishus with, the, with these raisin cakes. Ripiduni, and surround me betapuchim with apples. Ki choilas avaoni, because I am sick with love. And that's where the phrase comes from, love sickness. What's love sickness? Love sickness is when one becomes so obsessed with love, an obsession of love towards someone, and they love them so much till the love becomes so intense and it drives them sick. Sick with love. Sick with love means primarily when one is in love with someone else and that person that they're in love with is unreachable. They love that person they love them so much, but they can't get to them. So the love creates fervor, passion, fire. And as the fire increases and gets stronger and stronger and stronger, that creates the heat. What's, what's the general illness? What's the most common illness is a fever. A fever is when the temperature goes up very high. So when a person has an intense love and a desire for something and they can't have it, then that's, that creates a psychological, spiritual, in a regular love, interpersonal love between a, between a man and a woman, you know, whatever, that kind of a love is, we would say, a psychological illness, not a physical illness, but a psychological illness, to a point that it can bring a person to danger. The Talmud relates that a person fell in love with this girl and the sages, he couldn't marry her and the sages did not let him meet with her. And the sages said, let him die and fed it. We were not going to break the laws of Jewish modesty of tzniyos. If it's an inappropriate relationship, it's an inappropriate relationship. And that's it. So actually, so this illness can actually translate, can even be, it can even lead, lead what you say, to a physical condition. Even though its source is psychological. With God, there is an idea, and this is what Knesset Yisrael, what the Jewish people say to Hashem. We're crying out in Shir Hashir, and we say, we're here in exile for thousands of years, 
and we are yearning and we are pining for your, for your closeness. We so desperately want your intimacy. We so desperately want to draw close to you. My soul is thirsting for you. We also see a fine Shir Hashim. There's another verse. They say that it says over there that if you're gonna if imtimtzi as doidi, if you're gonna if you're gonna find my beloved tagidulai, you should tell him I'm sick with love, I'm ill with love, I can't contain my passion, my yearning. My yearning is too intense. It's creating such a fervor, such a fire, and I I I, I can't bear it anymore. That's the idea of illness with love. So the Arizal in this week's parsha, in Lakute Torah, there is a sefer called Lakute Torah from the Arizal, and Tame HaMitzvahs. There's two sections in it. One is called the Reasons of Mitzvahs. So in Parshas Vayera, right at the beginning, he talks about the mitzvah of Bikur Cholim, of, of visiting the sick. And he says, you know what Chola really means? Chola means ill. An ill person is called a Chola. He says the gematria, the numeric value of the word Chola is forty-nine. 49. Ches is 8. Vav is 6. So that's 14. Lamed is 30. So that's 30. Uh, uh, um, it's, it's 44. And then He is another 5. is 49. So Choles Gematria 49. And he says, so what's the, what's, what, what does it mean, Choles 49? Choles 49 means that there is a being, whoever that is, that is filled with 49 gates of wisdom. But there is one elusive level that they cannot attain. There is something that is eluding them, something that's beyond, something that they can't reach. They want and they want and they want, but they can't reach it. That's the 50th gate. The sages say that our 50 gates of Bina, of understanding that God, Nivra Ba'olam, 50 gates of Bina were created in the world. 49 of them were revealed to Moshe Rabbeinu. All of them were given over to Moshe. Because the man of the, given of the Torah, the giant of knowledge, of understanding, besides one. The 50th Moshe Rabbeinu didn't know. Remained re- aloof, remained removed, hidden from Moshe Rabbeinu. The Ramban in his opening verse, his, I'm sorry, his opening introduction, Nachmanides, an introduction to Chumash in Bereshis, speaks about these 50 gates of Bina, and he explains that the 50th is something that is, belongs to God himself, and no creature and no being can ever, ever attain it. It's beyond, beyond, beyond any being other than Hashem. That's the 50th. What does Chola mean? Chole is a human being, the, the real beginning of all illness, the, the root, if we can say, of the concept of illness, because everything that exists in the physical also has a spiritual meaning. And from the, from the spiritual, it translates. So physically, on a physical body, when it's sick, means that the body is lacking something, and that's what's creating the fever or the like. But that's a derivative from illness that there exists in the spiritual realms. If you go up to the highest celestial worlds, there are beings that are ill, very ill. They're ill with love. They have such fervor and passion for the unknowable, but they can't know it because that's beyond, beyond, beyond. They can never reach it. Chole Gematria 49. 
So the Tzemech Tzedek says, that's the meaning in this parsha. When it says that Avram Avinu, after his bris mila became a chole, became an ill person, what it means is that Avram Avinu at this time suddenly began to yearn for something so deep and so high that he can't reach. And that yearning, and that's what made him into a chole. So his being chole is not from the physical injury of his affliction of his bris mila. Yes, the bris milah caused him pain, we said earlier, but that would have been gone. A bris milah, a holy mitzvah of God, should not result in an affliction and, 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 and in a negative illness. We're talking about a super positive illness. We're talking about an illness that comes from the greatest experience of love. Now, Avram Avinu loved God all of his life. And continuously, Avram was growing in his love, higher and higher and higher. That's the meaning when it says last week in the parsha that Avram was traveling south. The Torah begins telling us about Avram Avinu coming into the land of Israel. It says that Avram was constantly traveling southbound. Why was he going to the south? And, the, and it says because we know that the, 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 the six directions correspond to the six sephirot, six attributes. And the first of the six attributes is chesed. And chesed is to the right side, and south is to the right when you're standing facing Mizrach. Mizrach is considered kedem, the front, Myrev is the back, so when you're facing east, south is to the right. That's why it's, 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 it's chesed, chesed is to the right. Chesed is love. So Avram Avinu was traveling south all of his life because his love was increasing. increasing. The, the stronger he yearned for God, the more he reached, he understood. He got closer and closer and developed even a greater yearning. And, and more and more. But whichever level he was yearning for, he was able to reach. Now, at this point, after Avram Avinu had a bris mila, Avram Avinu suddenly reached the point where he's looking at out to the 50th dimension and he realizes it's unattainable. It's not reachable. And here is where Avram falls into a intense, intense illness. He becomes so ill out of that burning love. He wants to quench his thirst to get to know the unknowable. He can't know it. And that's his illness. And the Tzemach Tzedek says an amazing thing. Vayera elav Hashem, when Hashem came and revealed himself to him, follow, when God came and revealed to him, and what did we say? What was the reason Hashem came to reveal, Hashem, Hashem now appeared to Avram. Rashi says to visit the ill. When God comes to visit the sick person, it's not just to visit and you stay sick. What did we say earlier from the Nachmanides? When God came to visit, the visit itself brought healing. That which Avram was ill, what was causing his illness? It was his yearning to that, to, 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 to knowing Hashem that is unknowable. When God appeared to him, he had that revelation of the 50th gate. And for that reason, he was healed. He was healed from the revelation. But what we need to understand is that why Dafka, at the moment of his bris milah, why at the moment of the bris milah did Avram Avinu get sick? Why wasn't he sick for the 50th before the bris milah? Why is it Dafka when he had a circumcision... Kaboom! 
Now is when Avram Avinu gets sick with yearning, choylas ava, ill, sick with love, dafka after his covenant, after he has the bris mila. And the answer is, if we take a look at Avram Avinu, we see there's a progression. The life of a human being is supposed to be an exercise of growth, continuous Continuous movement, and Avram Avinu is the ultimate example of continuous growth and elevation, stronger and stronger in his life. So Parshas Lech Lecha, last week's Parsha, begins with God telling Avram Avinu, go away, go away from your, from your land, from your birthplace, from your father's house, to the land that I will show you. And the, all the Mepharshim asked the question, why is there so much emphasis on going away? Why isn't there greater emphasis on where he should go to? If God wants him to leave and go on a journey and go to the land of Israel, tell him to go there. It's not, I mean, obviously, if he's going there, he's going away from here. But there's much more emphasis in the going away than on where he has to go to. So we've discussed this many times. What, what the real message that Hashem conveyed to Avram Avinu, and as a result of that to all the Jewish people and all the is that our relationship with God cannot be on our terms. Because if our relationship with God is, is on our terms, then we are not connecting to God, we're connecting to God of our brains. And God of our brains is a tiny little minuscule God. That's why the God, no matter how great our brains are, no matter how vast and how refined our emotions are, and no matter how deep our love and our awe and fear, or whatever it is, no matter how sophisticated or refined, how, how noble they are, it's still a human being's appreciation of an infinite God. But since the human being is the appreciator, so the appreciation is finite, because a human is finite. And therefore, what are you yearning for? What you think God is, not what God truly is. Right? So that's why the first thing that God tells the Jewish person, Avram and Sarah, the man and woman, Hashem tells every Jew, what does Hashem say? Lech lecha. Go away, me'artzacha means from your desires. They could be very holy desire, but they're still your desire. Moladetcha means your emotions. Your birthplace means your emotions. Because emotions are called children. Be'savicha means your intellect. Because intellect is called father, father and mother, Kabbalistically. Hashem says, go away from that. Don't serve me the way you think I want to be served. Serve me the way I tell you to serve me. And that's amazing. And that's why we Jews are unique from the whole world. Many spiritual people across the, across the world, many Gentiles seek a relationship with God, but God never asked them to serve Him. To serve Him explicitly. So generally, a person prays and wants to connect, a Gentile can have a connection. But it's all based on the minuscule state. It's all, it's all limited to the, limit, to the limited human mind. What's beautiful about being a Jew, and we discussed it so many times, is that we have commandments that God is commanding. So God is telling us, it's like a person who's in, someone, you're trying to, if you're trying to get a hold of someone who's like really, 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 really important, they're a great, important person, you try to do whatever, you're trying to get their attention. And whatever it is, you're sending them flowers, you're trying this and you're trying that, you're sending them emails, you're praising them, you're everything. And maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe you don't even know what they care about. And one time they answer you and they say, you know what? I see you want to, you want to, you want to be, if you want to do me a favor, you can do so and so. Whoa! The whole, it's a game changer. 
Because now I'm not doing what I think you want. I can actually do something that you asked me to do for you. So that's got a whole different level. And that's the story of it. God says to, to every Jew, let me tell you what I want. Come to the Elohar, it's the desire that I will show you. And that's the entire parsha of Lech Lecha. Lech Lecha is all, a, a, it's all an exercise of leaving go of ourselves so that we can connect to God on God's terms. Fine. What's the final stage of that? The end of Parshas Lech Lecha. What's the conclusion of Parshas Lech Lecha? Circumcision. What does circumcision mean? Actually bonding with God. You're bonding with God on God's terms. God is the one who told you to do the mitzvah of circumcision. And therefore, you're forging a bond with God by doing an act in your body that God commanded you to do and says, as a result of that, you are mine. It's like on a whole different level. However, there's still a limitation. What's the limitation? The limitation is that even though God is the one instructing us us on what to do, we're still the ones who are doing it. So there is still some, some human activity involved. The actual mitzvah itself is being done by a human. And every act of a human, even if it's commanded by God, since it has our participation, and we are limited. So therefore, even if we're going to stimulate and we're going to connect much higher than we were able to if we were just doing what we thought God wants, and we get to do what Hashem asks of us, what Hashem really asks of us to do, it's still us doing. So there is still... We're, 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 we're only tapping into the level of... of, of in Hashem, we're a created being, a creature other than God can have some significance. And that's not Hashem's truest self. That's a limited dimension. The ultimate state of connecting to Hashem in an utterly infinite and boundless, limitless way is when we are just silent and we're allowing Hashem to introduce Himself into us. And the difference? It's like, as I mentioned earlier, go back to the, to the, to the person. Sometimes in a relationship, a husband or a wife, a, try, a husband is trying to be a really good husband. But he never ever, he doesn't even listen for one second what his wife wants. He is busy being a good husband, doing what he thinks a good husband should do. But she's not interested in what he does. She wants something simple of him, you know, that he should put away his toothbrush uh, uh, and not leave it on the sink every day. But he doesn't hear that. All he cares about is he wants to be a good husband and bring her flowers. She's not interested in that. Or she says, if you want to do something for me, I'm not talking just, uh, I- I'll tell you what I want. I would like you to uh, whatever. I don't know. So and so. I like a latte every Tuesday. But he doesn't hear her. So if he hears her and he can bring her her latte on Tuesday, as Tuesday, it's important for her. That's, that's, it's a whole different level. He touches her in a much deeper place because it's based on what she's asking for him, what she would like to get from him, not what he thinks she would want. But still, there's another dimension over here. Then, sometimes you're so busy projecting or giving or even doing or re- and you don't let the other person give you something because you're too busy in giving. And then you don't either really connect to the other individual. There's a certain point where you gave and gave and gave 
they, if they're in a relationship, they want to give you what they want to give you, and then you just have to be a recipient and allow yourself to be given something. And then they can share with you something much deeper than what you can evoke when you're bringing or doing or making. So that's a third dimension in a relationship. Sit back, open yourself up for them to allow them to have a, to have a, 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 a input in your life and in your being. And therefore comes out according to that as follows. Even though when Avram Avinu reached the highest level of, of bris mila, of attachment to God, he now reached, as we spoke earlier, the 49th level. Because he reached the highest a human being can possibly reach. And that is connecting to Hashem on God's terms. But it's still the 49th gate. The 50th level is infinitely beyond that. That's God Himself, unrelated to anything outside of Him. And that we can never attain through anything we do. That we can only be a recipient of. But here's the thing. You don't yearn for that unless you can sense that light. If you can't sense that truth, you can't yearn for it. So what happened as follows like this. When Avram Avinu had his bris milah, since he attained the highest, deepest commitment to God possible on any, any level, it's at that moment that the 50th gate started sparkling. And he began to sense the 50th gate in his subconscious. And as he sensed that 50th level, which means the connection to God, that, 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 is, that is Hashem's absolute truth, not Hashem contracting himself to the creations, but the way God truly is, only after he reached 49, and that's the whole point, after he became Tamim, what does the Pasuk say? Has halech lefanai, walk before me, vehayet Tamim, be complete. It's only after he reaches being complete, the way God says to be complete, he becomes totally complete, that means complete, complete as a godly human being, Godly human being, not a human human being. A godly human being, but still a godly human being. But when he reaches that completion, now he can start sensing from a distance the 50th, and he starts being teased. That's the idea. He's now being teased by the 50th level. And that drives him crazy. So it's precisely because of the sickness, sorry, because of his brismila. Because of the circumcision, he's now stimulated by a 50th level, which is Hashem's light, and, it's, and he becomes ill, and he's sick, and he's yearning, like he never yearned ever in his life, because it's the first time he's encountering God on a level which God can't be accessed. That nothing he can do can help him cross that infinite gap. He can never ever attain it. And therefore, had God not had mercy on him, he could have died from that illness. He's burning, burning, burning with an infinite yearning that can't even be described. And then is when Hashem comes to visit him. And in that visitation, Hashem actually illuminates Avram Avinu's soul with the 50th level. And that's the healing for Avram Avinu. Actually, the amazing thing, so the Lubavitcher Rebbe says, take a look. It says, Vayeda Elov Lavakar Rashi says to heal the sick. 
Who's the one who says this teaching? Which one of our sages in the Mishnah says this teaching, in the Talmud, says this teaching, Rashi's quoting it, from a person called Chama Bar Chanina. He's the one who says that it was the third day of his Mispris Mila, and God came to visit him. Take a look at the deep secret that's in these words. Chama means vision. Chama means to perceive, to see. In, in Aramaic, Chama means to see. So, and Chanina has two nuns inside of it. Chanina, two nuns. Chama, he saw, Chama means to see. He had a vision of the nuns. Now, when God came to visit him, the vi- visitation that Hashem came to visit him was the level of the 50th, of the 50th gate. Chama, he saw, Bar, it, he saw the derivative, he was able to see Chanina of the nuns, the 50th gate. And why double nuns? Because in Hasidus it says an amazing thing, that there's two levels, in the 50th itself, there's two levels. There's the lower level of the 50th, that's the root of the 49 gates of wisdom. In other words, it's the, it's the point of wisdom that includes all the 49 uh, uh, gates of knowledge. And then there is a, the higher element of the 50th that is purely the light of the Ein Sof, which is not even a source to the other 49. When Avram Avinu had this visitation from God, when God came to visit him, Hashem revealed himself to Avram Avinu from both levels of the 50th. Chama, again, who, who's the sage who tells us that Hashem came to visit him when he was sick? The name of the sage is Chama Bar Chanina, with the meaning of Chama means to see Chanina, the two levels of Nun, the lower level of Nun of the 50th gate, and even the higher level of the 50th gate. By the way, this idea that the revelation of Hashem at this moment was far, now, even though Avram had many discussions with God, Earlier and throughout the Chumash, we have many times that Hashem reveals Himself to Abba. But what was unique on this time was that this was a revelation of, of Hashem's very essence. On a much higher, the Zohar says this, on a much higher level than Avram ever perceived ever in his life. Levels beyond, beyond, incomparably higher was Dafke at this time. And it's, 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 um, Why? Why at this time? Because as I mentioned to you earlier, that this was the first mitzvah that Avram Avinu, this is the only mitzvah in Avram's life that Avram was commanded. So this mitzvah that Avram was commanded is the only mitzvah that is similar to the mitzvahs of after the giving of the Torah. Remember we said there's two levels of mitzvahs. There's the mitzvahs that were be, the obvious did before the giving of the Torah, and then there's post-giving of the Torah. And this was the only mitzvah mila that is after the giving of the Torah. So now let, watch this. When we took it, that means that this mitzvah of bris mila is similar to the giving of the Torah, to matan Torah. We know that before the giving of the Torah, every year, what do we do? What do we do before the giving of the Torah? The Hashem gives the Torah on Shavuos. What do we do until the, what do we do? We have a 49-day count. 49 days of counting, counting, counting. And it's an interesting thing. The 50th we don't count. The 50th day is Shavuos and God gives us the Torah. 
So what's the deeper concept? What's the deeper concept? The deeper concept is like this. The Torah comes from the 50th gate. That's why the opening words of the giving of the Torah is, Anochi Hashem Elokecha, I am God, your God. Anochi means I am, the Zohar says, I am who I am. Meaning I'm not revealing myself to you in a limited version of myself. I'm not contracting myself to you like the same way I appear to the celestial angels or the higher beings above. I am giving you a, 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 a revelation of who I truly am. Anochi, this is who my true being is. That's the 50th gate. God, when He's not in any way watered down, he's not, He is as He is. That, and, and that's why we can't count that level. Why don't we count 50 days? Because it's the theme that we just explained. There is a dimension, the 50th level is so deep and it is so high, it's not attainable through any kind of work that we do. We can count 49, and then when we come Shavuos by night, all we can do, same like, is be silent and let God reveal Himself to us. So just like by Matan Torah, what happened by the giving of the Torah, the 50th gate was revealed, the same happened to Avram Avinu. By the one mitzvah that he was commanded with from God, which is similar to the giving of the Torah, as a result of that mitzvah, he began to sense the 50th. He didn't yet experience the 50th. He began to sense the 50th. And as a result of his sensing of the 50th, he became ill. To the point that he got so sick that he needed God to come visit him and Hashem fulfilled his unquenchable thirst and revealed him the 50th. So in a microscope, Avram Avinu is already holding by Matan Torah. The greatness of Moshe Rabbeinu over Avram was by, Av- by, by Avram Avinu, it was just a personal experience. And Moshe Rabbeinu brought it for all the Jewish people to have this experience. This is all great. Unbelievable a connection to God on the level of the 50th, the highest level of achievement. But here is the most important idea. When the Pasuk describes this revelation of Hashem to Avram Avinu, from the 50th level, from the deepest level, the Pasuk says these words, Vayera elav Hashem, that God appeared to him. Vayera elav. And let's analyze each one of these three words. Vayera means God made himself visible. Which, by the way, it's the highest form of revelation. There's one type of revelation, you can hear something, but you don't see it. Then there's another way of a revelation where you see something, but you have a blurry vision. That's not called ria, that's called machazeh. Chizoyoyim. A chizoyoyim means when someone has a vision, it's called a chizoyoyim. And we find that by Avram Avinu, before his bris milah, that's the way he experienced the bris bein apsarim, when God came to speak to Avram, I think it was by the Brisbane of Sarim. It says it was Devar Hashem came to Avram Avinu Bamachazeh. Bamachazeh means in a vision. Machazeh Chizoyan is the translation of vision. If it's a translation, means it's not the real deal. It's something like it. It's like a vision. Meaning you don't see clear. You don't have a clear crystal. Vayera means crystal vision to see something with its full clarity. So what kind of vision did Avram Avinu have? Vayera. What's the next word? Vayera elav Hashem. Let's skip a minute the word elav. Let's go to Hashem. Hashem is God's true name. Yudke vavke the tetragrammaton. It's Hashem's name. It's not. We know that Hashem has many names, but what's Hashem's essential name? Yudke vavke. So when it says that Avram had a clear vision of who did Avram have a clear vision? 
of Yudke Vavke of God Himself, not the name of Elohim, not the name of any, where Hashem is already assuming certain limitations of certain personalities that are covering on His true being. Hashem is God as He is. Beautiful. But the next most important word is the word Elov to Him. Elov to Him means an amazing thing. And that is that when God appeared to Avram Avinu, Avram did not dissolve in the revelation of the 50th level. And that's the most awesome thing. Elov means to Him. To Him means that Avram Avinu, as a human being, with physical flesh and bones, with physical limbs and organs, was able to absorb this revelation and take it into every fiber of his being. He filled his mind with that revelation. It permeated his emotions. It entered into his entire consciousness and it even filled his physical flesh and his body all the way down to his toes. It com- a love means to him, we would think, that a revelation that you can't be a vessel for, a revelation that you have to dissolve completely, a revelation that you can't, you can't achieve unless you're dying from love, you're completely dismantling your entire being because there's no, it's impossible to reach this. It's God as He is and no one can be a container for this infinite light. And what's the beauty of Vayera? Hashem did not water down the revelation. It's Hashem. And Hashem did not blur the revelation. It's Vayera. Hashem allowed him to see him as he is. And at the same time, Avram Avinu stood there with his physical eyes, with his physical organs and his limbs, and he was able to internalize it and bring it into his being to the fact that it permeated his entire being. That's the ultimate detachment of God and a human being. It's one thing, you know, when, when, when prophets usually had prophecy, what would happen to the prophet? What's described? How would prophets have prophecy? The, it, described, they would fall to the ground. They would lose all their, all their, all their functions. They would go into some kind of a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a faint state where their body would shut down. And that's how they would receive the revelation. That means that the, the revelation could not enter into who they are. But in this case, the revelation of Hashem Himself from the 50th level was able to reach Avram Avinu and he was able to take it in and internalize it. How is that possible? Isn't that a contradiction? A physical human being is the lowest possible entity. We're talking about physical. The physical, physical. And... We're talking about the 50th gate that cannot be revealed even in the most sublime spiritual world. In the most refined beings. But yet, how does it work? And the answer is, that's the deeper meaning of the higher point of the 50th gate. Remember I said earlier, there's two levels of the 50th gate? The deepest point of the 50th is that it has, it's Hashem's very essence and therefore, it has no limitations at all. It's not even limited. It's not even limited in being abstract. It's not even limited to abstraction. In other words, you might say that this is a level that is so high that it's uncontainable. The beauty of this level, let's hear this. The, the depth over here is that this is so, so deep that it's beyond abstraction. 
that it doesn't have to be above. He can even, it can, it's a point that's beyond all definition and even transcends the definition of needing to transcend everything. And therefore it can be everywhere and in everything. That's what's so awesome about this revelation. It's the, because it's the essence of God, you can't limit Hashem and say that Hashem cannot enclose Himself in something tiny, but only in the abstract. God can enclose Himself or reveal Himself wherever He wants. And therefore, Hashem can reveal Himself even to Avram Avinu's physical flesh. So this actually expresses the truth of this encounter. That the encounter is with the truth of Hashem who's not limited in anything, and it can fill all the way down for Yeda Elav Hashem. But it goes further. The revelation wasn't only in Avram Avinu's body. What does the Pasuk say? It's the only time in the Torah, the Torah gives an address where it happened. Vayera Elav Hashem, not the only time, but it says where Hashem appeared to him. Ba'alone Mamre, in the plains of Mamre. Why does it have to say where it was? And the answer is that not only did it permeate Avram Avinu, it actually permeated the physical space that he was in as well. This transcendental, infinite, undefined revelation of God, not only did it not overwhelm and destroy the world, not only didn't it knock Avram Avinu's socks off, he was able to absorb it, take it in, fill every part of his being with this light, and, and then finally even affect the physical space that he was in, that the world itself can also receive this revelation of God himself. And that's the ultimate purpose of a Jew. The ultimate purpose of a Jew, hear this, is to work to a point where he, tr- where he first has to get out of himself. First, you have to leave your boundaries of your own self and devote yourself to serving Hashem, and then you become a conduit of God's light to the world. Then after that, one reaches the ultimate state when you have the art, you learn the art of reaching a point of silence. You've reached the highest devotion, dedication, do everything it says in Shulchan Aruch, everything it says in Torah, and then you can still be silent after everything and realize that a true connection to God ultimately is up to God to fill you with His light. Not you. So I'm doing, 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 but then I'm silent. And in that silence... What do, I, what, what do I convey? I convey a yearning, an unquenchable thirst and a longing for absolute truth. And the response and the reciprocation that every single Jew has, from, which we have from our grandfather Avram Avinu, we have it as a Yerusha, we have it as an inheritance from Avram Avinu. That just like Avram Avinu, when he stood silent, and he burned with feverish desire for that ultimate revelation which he knew that he can't do anything to achieve, God reciprocated and brought that revelation into Avram Avinu to a certain degree each and every one of us on our own level can receive that revelation. But that's, stage, that, that's only half of it. The other, the other, the other the, what's even a greater novelty is that it doesn't hit us in a very transcendental moment where we're, where we're like out-of-body experience but that we are able to take that truth and make that the truth of our personality. Make that the truth of our mind. Make that the truth of our emotions. Make that the truth of our every thought, speech, and action. Make that the truth of our actual physical flesh, not just of our brain, but of our, our, our arms and, and, and feet 
and all the way down to our toes and even our toenails and even deeper than that, convey that truth into the four cubits of space around us, into everything we touch, into every person we reach, to imbue the world with that absolute truth. That's crazy. And that's what it is. And you should know that just like it is with Avram Avinu, the same concept is with Sarah Yimenu as well. Because next week's Torah portion, I'm just going to say this very quickly, this is a special tribute for the women, because Sarah achieved the exact same thing, hinted to in the beginning of next week's parasha, we'll do it very quickly. The next week's Torah portion begins with the words, Vayichaya Sarah, was the life of Sarah. Esrim Shana, 20 years. Uh, Mea Shana, 100 years. She lived 127 years. Sarah lived 127 years old. But the Torah says, each one separately. 100 years, 20 years, and 7 years. Kabbalistically, it's explained. What does 100 years mean? 100 years, it's, it's representing not just the time that Sarah lived, it's representing the, the manner in which Sarah served God in a complete wholesome way. 100 years, Kabbalistically, represents to the transcendental powers of pleasure and desire. In Kabbalah, in Kabbalah that's the levels of keter, of crown. Sarah's pleasure was only for God. Sarah's desire was only for God. That's the hundred years. And why it's called hundred triple digits, because it's a very high level. We're not going to get into it right now. Twenty years represent that she was perfect in her intellectual powers. She was devoted to Hashem and perceived the highest level of intelligence. Chachma and Bina, each one is ten, equals twenty. Seven years represent the seven emotions. Sarah's devotion to God, perfection, was perfect on seven emotions. All of her emotions were perfect. But then the Pasuk concludes one, with one extra line, Shnei Chaya Sarah, the life of Sarah, and Rashi says, Kulam Shavin Litova. All her years were equally good. And what does that last phrase mean? All of them were equally good? It means that beyond all these levels, there was something much deeper. Sarah achieved a complete mesiras nefesh, a complete subservience to God, like beyond, beyond, beyond all these individual powers of her soul. She had just a singular oneness in connection to Hashem. And as a result of that singular oneness, she reaches the essence of God. But that essence permeates all the details. 100 years, 20 years, 7 years, through and through. And that's the whole chiddush of being a Jew. It's not an extra body experience. It's, not, it's reaching the, the highest of the high that requires complete transcendence of self. But at the same time, that very truth, you are able to draw it down to become part of you and to fill you, who you are, and what you are in your personality. And that is the, also the reason we see, we see the same thing reflected in the end of this week's parsha. By the Akedas Yitzchak. Is there ever a moment of greater Mesiris Nefesh than the Akedah? Yitzchak is offered as a kurban. Yitzchak is offered as a sacrifice. It's, there's nothing greater. But an amazing thing, did, he, did Yitzchak get burnt up in the fire on the Mizbeach or did Yitzchak return home? Yitzchak, Isaac, has all the qualifications and has reached the peak of being a sacrifice for God. He's considered a karban oila. He's considered a sacrifice that goes up to God. But at the same time, Yitzchak didn't die. Yitzchak lived through that experience. And the rest of his life, he ate lunch 
while he was a carbon oiler. That means that the truth that he perceived as becoming a carbon didn't take him out of himself, but allowed him to continue living as a human being in, that, in this world with that quintessential truth that he achieved when he reached the highest level of dissolvement in God's light. Yet at the same time, he continued being physically alive in this world, living another 140 years physically in this world as, as a continuation of the Akedah. And that's why the last words of Parshas Vayera, it talks about, um, what's her name? Um, Rivka being born to a man called, uh, she's a grandson of, what's his name, of, of, of uh, Rivka, who's her father? No. Uh, Besuel, Besuel is her father, and it says over there a bunch of of the of the of Palakshim, of the concubines that were that were married to Besuel or whatever, and that's the end. That's the climax of the parsha, and we read it on Rosh Hashanah. We read this, and why do we read something? It's like such a downer. We're reading about the Kedas Yitzchak. So the Oiv Yisrael, the Apterov, and this is in Chasidus. The word Macha, the last words of the parsha, is Macha. Mach is one of the wives, one of the concubines, not even a wife, of, 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 of this whatever, Besuel. Uh, um, uh, so it says that the Rosh Tevis, the acronym of the word Macha, which is the concluding word, is Melech Al-Kol, Al-Kol Ha'aretz, king over the whole world. That means the ultimate of a Jew is not transcendental yearning and connection up there, we all have to go through these phases and reach the, the connection on the deepest level. But the beauty of the Jew is that we can channel all that down into daily normal living when we are a normal human beings, normal human beings, and talk to people in normal conversation. And yet we're invigorated and, and with that MS and that truth, and that's what we're communicating into, into the world. Melech al-Kola Aretz. We bring God to be a king over the world even when we're talking to a concubine of Betuel. Could you imagine who this person is? Yet Melech, in her we also discover, Melech al-Kola Aretz, God is the king over the time in the world. From the highest to the lowest because we're touching a point that transcends high and low. It's just absolute truth. God is not measured by high and low. And if God is... God's truth is the truth of everything. All the way down to the concubine of Besuel. That too is the truth of Hashem. And that has to be revealed everywhere. Vayera elav Hashem. And that is the significance of this amazing Torah portion. And if we can say, if you take these three Torah portions, Lech Lecha, Vayera, Chayasara, and we put them all as one, as one unit, we'll say like this. Lech Lecha is the first stage of our work. Lech lecha means to go, go out of yourself. It's our work to get out of our narrowness, of our boundaries, of what I want, I need, I this, I that. Get, get past ourselves. Let's devote ourselves to something bigger than ourselves. That's lech lecha. And the end of lech lecha, circumcision. Just give yourself away to a total commitment to God. Once you do that and you reach the highest level of what? Of becoming ill, you reach a point where you can't go any further. You can't go any further. So you're waiting. What happens next? Parshas Vayera. What's Vayera? Vayera means godly revelation. God fills you with His life, with His light, with His truth. And what's Chaye Sarah? Chaye Sarah is, the life of Sarah is taking that truth 
and taking it into the details. What are the details? A hundred years, twenty years, seven years. Bringing that singular MS and truth and revealing it in every aspect and in every feature of your being. May Hashem help that we should already experience the singular oneness of God and the absolute truth as it permeates every part of the world to the point of Melech al-Kala Oretz, king over the entire world. May we merit to see that now.